So this is part two of a seasoned traveler dodging the madness. Due to technical difficulties, these parts are going to be short because until the engineers figure out what's wrong and why it keeps on cutting off, this is we we had to we did about 15 takes before finally deciding on doing small parts because that's all that was going to work and they're probably going to be about seven to eight minutes each uh three to four parts and we apologize for this since it's not quite as fluid as it should be but anyway so we're in we're we're in charlotte at this point and we get off the plane we have like a four hour layover i love layovers gives me a chance to go exploring i've explored many airports um i've observed many peculiar people uh read thousands of magazines completed hundreds of thousands of crossword puzzles <laughs> And uh, so we hit up one of these restaurants, and it was good. It was it was alright. As long as you can find a Guinness, wherever you are, life is good, isn't it? Um, uh, while in Charlotte, sure enough, despite the layover, we are delayed once again. And uh, so, instead of getting in at like midnight, it would be later than that. I think we did make up a little bit of time in the air when we finally arrived. Thankfully, we didn't have to go through another security uh, line because no doubt I would have been hassled there. Um, we found our, our gate. We went to, we sat at a charging station because we had like 15 electronics that we needed to charge because where we were going, there wasn't going to be a chance to do much of anything with electronics which is why there was that delay in uh in episodes and i really wanted to do one while i was up there but because i was going to talk to a guy who is becoming quite the expert at growing hops for beer his own personal Strain. I mean, it would have been a fascinating show. We will get him on. So anyway, we're in Charlotte. It's pretty uneventful at the airport. A lot of fun. Until we get on the plane. This is a bigger plane. The other one had, I don't know, 250 people or whatever. This one has even more than that. We're sitting there. There is only one coffer on this entire flight. Just one. And he is sitting right next to me. Sometimes he partially covers his mouth. Other times he coughs right into the tray. It ricochets off the tray and it's hitting me. I'm turned facing My daughter, she's in the aisle seat. My eyes are closed. I'm clutching the armrest because I'm 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 having an absolute anxiety attack. I can't stand being around all these sick people. And they all seem, it's like a magnet. They all 
end up right next to me every time. I always get sick on these flights because no matter what happens, where I am, sick, unhealthy people gravitate toward and they, they, they surround me. So anyway, this guy's, once again, I mean, I can't concentrate on anything. I'm trying to read, you know, Lost on Planet China, uh, J. Martin Troost, phenomenal writer. I can barely concentrate on my book. I can't sleep. I can't do anything. The entire time, I just focus on this sickly creature beside me. Unhealthy, overweight, which is, you know, if that's your thing, that's fine. But if you're not going to take care of yourself and you're going to fly and you're going to make other people sick, that's where I have a little bit of a problem. Okay, I have a big problem with it. I didn't say anything, but I had a lot of thoughts. There were a lot of things I wanted to say, but I'm polite. I don't want to make people feel bad. I think the fact that I was turned away from this <laughs> character got the point. Like, I literally was, like, turned. I had, like, a crick in my neck for two days afterwards because of this situation. So the flight was torture. My, my, uh... Sometimes, some of my travel experiences are wonderful. This one was not. And we arrived in New York at like midnight, 1230. <clears throat> we get up into the mountains. It's dark. It's quiet. It's cold. It must have been about 50 degrees. This, this is July, okay? It gets cold in the mountains of upstate New York. And uh, I decided I'm going to sleep outside. This is going to be great. While I'm outside in the cold, I have disease racing through my, my body. Of course, I wake up in the morning and I'm kind of stuffy. I'm thinking, that son of a gun. Ugh. But New York was great. We had a lot of fun. <clears throat> and at one point, we were out up in the woods on this like little patio bonfire we're cooking uh, marshmallows and drinking beer and you hear in the woods it sounds kind of like uh, almost like a wolf howling but at the same time it kind of sounds like an owl and I was like ah, it sounds like the owls you know that I've heard in the in the past, my brother-in-law was like, no, man. You know, he goes out hunting all the time. He's like, and we, we're hearing this howling on the left, in the woods to our left and in the woods to our right. He's like, man, those are koi dogs. And my dad's like, yeah. You know, koi dogs are, he's like, those biggest German shepherds. You know, are kind of a little bit smaller. So you can imagine these big, wild dogs barking and howling on either side they were stalking us they're on the left side they're on the right side we're up in the woods to get back to the cabin where we were where we were staying we had to walk through this trail in the woods it's pitch black the entire time I'm thinking to myself oh you know we're gonna get ambushed 
It's going to be like a pack of koi dogs. They're also coyotes. They're mountain lions. They're a bear. This is a wild place. <clears throat> I was sure we were going to get eaten alive. It's like one of my biggest fears. I've mentioned that before. Being eaten by a shark is probably number one. But being torn apart by a pack of wild dogs, yeah, that, that probably comes in a close second. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, we make it. <laughs> we make it back to the cabin. And all night long, I can hear these wild dogs running around the woods, howling, probably circling the cabin, trying to figure out how to get in to get us. It was awesome. Terrifying. Awesome. You think, and I couldn't help but think about, like, the, the, the people that used to live there, back, you know, the pioneers of their time. They were Germans, 1700s. I think the first ones came in like the late 1600s, early 1700s. And they built cabins probably on a, on a dirt road with carriages. Why they went to that remote spot, unbeknownst to me, I guess it reminded them of the Germany, their homeland. It's very far off the beaten path they didn't they didn't make it some of the descendants did a little bit further down the mountain but the ones that were all the way to the top where we were their homes like in the 1800s not long after the civil war they simply became foundations abandoned foundations it was so rough and rustic their growing seasons were so short Probably didn't have enough food. They were starving. They didn't last. And I understood it to some extent. I mean, you know, we had, of course, the supermarket about 20 minutes away that we could drive to. If you forgot something while you're out of luck, you turn around, (laughs) spend half your day just grocery shopping. And you think these people with like horses and buggies in the winter, it snows you know, it's not for it's like Buffalo, New York snow. It's like f- feet. People that live there, they're tough as nails. They have these hardened stairs even in the summer. Their winters last so long, it's like carved in their faces. You know, it's hard to get it to, to get them to even giggle because their winters were so hard. They struggled to survive and uh, like I have a sister my brother-in-law they live up not far from there and uh, you can see it you can see it in their eyes almost like a thousand yard stare like the winter never leaves even in summertime it's like it's always there it's always on their mind you know how are we going to make it through next winter we have to prepare they start preparing now for winter it's a tough life. You wonder what possesses people to endure that kind of intensity year after year after year. And they do. Thousands and thousands of these people. It's, a, you know, it's crowded up there. And uh, they do it. They manage. 
And it impresses me, I know that, because I don't think I could. But uh, so we're up in the woods and we're wandering around, you know, during the day we'd go to like, there was a lake, we'd go to the lake, dirt roads, we'd walk along the roads, um, run around the woods. And about four days, five days after we left, the garbage cans were attacked by bear. And they must have been big, strong, hungry mother bears. Because, you know, the mother bears are the most aggressive when they have, you know, with their kids. I mean, they need to, they need to feed. They need to be able to produce uh, food for their, for their children. And they ripped through these thick wooden garbage cans, like ripped them off their hinges, dragged the garbage cans like halfway up the hill, up the mountain. Eating, eating all the rotten food. <clears throat> and um, my dad was telling me how the bear, you know, if you're going to eat bear meat, because the bears, they'll eat anything. Rotten food, fresh food. There's so much bacteria. You have to cook that bear so well because you can get sick. I've never had bear. I have really no desire to eat it. I get, I imagine it's pretty putrid and earthy. Um, I guess if you eat a bear, you know, even in like, say you're in Alaska and they're eating a lot of salmon, they're still going to come across like a dead elk carcass. Slurp up like the, the slimy, uh, fetid meat. Fills up their, you know, that meat probably tastes disgusting. I have no desire whatsoever to eat that <laughs> to eat to eat that kind of food. But uh my sister makes like venison stew and she makes all kind of rabbit and whatever else, whatever else they pick off in the garden or running around the the property, the woods property. It's hardcore. Um and that's it's pretty common. A lot of people do it. They live, literally live off the land. And a lot of them have to. You know, they like, they have these chickens in their coop. And the thing gets attacked by foxes, coyotes. Some of them are smart. They find a way in. She said, so, and she's, it's been like, she's come out in the morning. It'll be like a, like a massacre. Just blood everywhere from her chickens just being slaughtered. They go, they get more. They'll fight the coyotes, they'll fight the foxes, wolves, whatever else is up there. They get to them every now and then. Or they'll forget to close the door. Then the inside, it's just painted. It's like a macabre scene, macabre art, modern art. Blood splatter like a Jackson Pollock all over the barn. <clears throat> Might as well just paint your barn red. You know? It's gonna get red anyway. It's raw. It's raw living. You want to be an animal up there. Every day. You could be your last. Heck, even if you're a human. You have to walk around with like a 50 caliber or automatic. 
because you're going to be stalked. Um, so the bear, you know, right where we were, running around, walking, some of us in bare feet, we're a bear rummaging through garbage cans in the different cabins. And it was early, and it wasn't like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was like 6 o'clock. So we'd come home from the lake at about 6 o'clock, right about the time that the bears were looking for food. And we would have been so easy for them to catch. What can you do? And we weren't armed. It would have been like fists and rocks against these bears. We wouldn't have stood stood a chance. I watched a video one day. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. And there's about eight wolves and this one bear, and it wasn't even a big one. And took on all eight wolves, fighting over like a dead elk. And in the end, the bear one out. I mean, the wolves just let the bear eat with them. That's how hardcore bears are. They're quick, they're strong, and they're aggressive. And I watched that, and I thought, there's no way, no way a human would be able to fight off a bear. You better hope that you make enough noise, and you scare it, and it runs off. Because if it decides, I'm going to take this guy out, you're dead. You're dead. And it's an agonizing way to go. <clears throat> there's a bear. Vi- there's a video in like uh, India or someplace. Maybe it was New Jersey. I know there are bear attacks there sometimes. <clears throat> and this guy uh, getting attacked. It was hard to watch. I watched it. I don't know what that says about me, but I watched it. I was traumatized. I kept on like seeing the image of this guy just getting manhandled by this bear. I mean, it was worse than the lion attack. You know, when the guy's in the cage, the lion attacks him. Because it would, it looked like it was, that one, you know, it wasn't like uh, beating him up. It was more like almost trying to suffocate the guy. Whereas the bear was just like bang, bang, bang. T- tossing him around like a, like a doll. <clears throat> and he'd play dead for a second. And then he'd kind of like move and the bear would go, wham. Yeah. Stuff like that. So even images like that, as I'm walking down this, dirt road I'm thinking about it because there have been times where I've been up there before and you stumble across some scat along the road right in front of like some cabin bear scat bear poop it's huge it's like as round as a basketball I mean they're big and you think man that's a big creature the way you know a turd that's that big and you try not to look too hard because you don't want to see like a finger you know a man eating bear it's like okay there it is but I'm just going to walk by and pick up my pace and just hope I don't make any eye contact with any of this you know if it's nearby because I don't want it to think that I'm challenging it but at the same time I don't want to give off you know the stench of weakness and fear. You have to be confident and bold to stand up to these beasts. So my trip to New York was exciting. 
and uh, being out in the woods, like way out in the woods like that, unarmed. I mean, there, there were guns in the cabins, but we weren't like carrying them around with us. Probably should have been. <clears throat> it was a walk on the wild side. And uh, coming back to civilization is always a reality check for me. Because you hit the traffic again. And the people driving slow in the fast lane and not using their blinkers. I, I, just, I just, you don't have that problem out in the woods. The human condition with modern technology, they do not mesh. Humans and technology cause more problems than, than, than it's worth, I find. It's not quite as bad when you're out there on the dirt trails, walking through the woods, or uh, you know, picking 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 uh, berries. There's no traffic problems. It works itself out. Nature works it out because nature, it, nature nature's efficient. Humans try to be efficient. But they're not. There's no synchronized, you know, there's no unsynchronized light, traffic lights out in nature. They don't need the internet. They don't need to have their face stuck to an iPhone. There are no yield signs where people stop. The uh, the food doesn't have 16 different artificial chemicals causing things to grow inside you. It's so pure to be out in, out, out in the woods, out in nature. Every aspect of it is pure. It's raw. It's, it's primal. It's inspiring. It makes you feel alive to be there in a place like that, especially like at night. I slept outside, you know, high off the ground, but outdoors. Right there's a screen, you know, the mosquitoes and the horseflies, and they're ruthless. I mean, they'd eat you for for, for lunch and dinner. <clears throat> but being outside listening to the night, watching the moon. There's nothing like it. To be woken up in the middle of the, middle of the night because of howling. I loved it. And thankfully we weren't taken down by one of the one of the wild animals. The place is packed with wild animals. Packed. You hear about them. You never. You rarely see them. You can hear them usually. So, we came back to to reality. And it takes days to acclimate. You wake up in the middle of the night. You don't even know where you are. It's like you sit at the edge of the bed and you put your feet down. It's dark and you're like, it takes you a second to collect your thoughts. 
you know, <clears throat> what city am I in? No, I'm not in an airport. <laughs> I'm in my own room.